Forty chess. Yeah. Forty chess. Huh. Forty chess. Let's get it. Forty chess. Huh. Forty chess. <laughs> what happened, man? I Halfway know, that through. Was a nice little pause, man. It was just like, ah, we're good. <laughs> that's a uh, that's a great omen to start the show off, right? <laughs> Blow up right halfway through. <laughs> uh, that's great. No way we'll edit that out at all, ever. No chance. Zero percent. What up, Koopa? Thirteen hour workday. He was Boy. telling me about that last night. He had uh, about eight hours of driving. Damn, Koopa. I was out here tagging him and shit and like, you know, thinking just he hasn't seen it. My bad, Koopa. I didn't realize you had a fucking 13-hour workday. Way to go. He's like, I don't like you. I don't like you. Welcome in, everybody, to the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. We're glad you're here today. We're glad you're here today. Adam, I see you just joined a startup. I did. I I did. How How are you encroaching on my territory, right? These are my fish. Well, I decided that, you know... Certain fish, there's competition in those waters. You know, got to see who's gonna get the who's gonna get the who's gonna catch the fish. Actually, they're big on you right now, man. Too, they're they're like after raptor pace, we can go. So I've seen that. Don't worry, I'll have some time. Mike has a lot of ad lib sessions that I can go hit the league safe <laughs> up and get this all squared away. That's not bad. How you do me like that? <laughs> Come on now. Come on now, Dynasty Degenerates. Don't act like I'm out here capping. You know, I did got something good that I want to talk about though. Uh, we did the trade show or whatever, and uh, just uh, <clears throat> spitballing while I was sitting around thinking. Poor pillow. <laughs> yeah, poor pillow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll put it as a music video, right? There you just go. Like a playlist, all the fizzle intros. Hey, listen, we we'll we'll have a little album for him before it's all said and done, right? Like the intro album. We have a good one. <laughs> we got our own bagger. Straight from Fizzle. But anyways. What are we going to get to yeah, before about, we forget? We're going we're to talk about the quarterbacks, right? Uh, okay. We kind of touched on it a little bit. Quarterback scoring as a whole was down. Warp <laughs> graphs across the board down. It was down in 22. 23 was even worse. Like, even worse, top to bottom. Um, kind of touched on it a little bit. But I had an interesting point that I wanted to bring up, and I was starting to look at some data. And let me preface this. There's a reason I hired Dynasty Barry. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason Cooper works for South Harmon. Yep. Adam, it's not your and I's forte, um, but we can look at some data and kind of make dummy comparisons, simpletons. Uh, we need these advanced people to explain exactly what it means to us. So maybe it'll trigger something where they want to look at it and, uh, and go a little bit further. But I kind of just watching football, uh, it felt like there was a lot more and, – and they kind of said it last year – it didn't really get brought up at all, like in the announcing or, you know, when they doing pregame or postgame shows, that kind of shit, NFL Live, that kind of stuff. But it felt like there's been this trend towards a shit ton of more zone coverage for these quarterbacks. Like Definitely. this is what they're primarily facing. So Fantasy Points Data Suite is absolutely phenomenal, yeah. right? Um, I've been a big fan of Player Profiler because it's just so simple and easy to use. But Fantasy Points Data Suite just, like, takes that and it's like, bet. All right, we're going to blow this shit out of the water. <laughs> every damn analytical number, percentages, we're charting everything. You will there's, get everything you could, your heart could desire. There's levels to this shit, right? 
yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's kind of like when you get your first credit card, right? You got like maybe a five hundred dollar <laughs> limit, thousand dollar limit. This yeah, is the, cr- the fucking, this is the black card, you know, the, yeah. the American <clears throat> Express. Black you can go buy anything. <clears throat> Take that black card, you have an unlimited um, spending limit, yeah. right? You can buy a $60 billion yacht on this motherfucker if you Spe- want. <laughs> Speaking of the pearl, uh, the, the world is your oyster. Here, it's yours. Go ahead, right? <laughs> Literally. Uh, so I was looking at it and just kind of sorting some data and looking at it. And uh, pretty much top to bottom, they filter it by teams. But just about every single offense faced primarily zone coverage. Almost all of them. So mm-hmm. leader in the clubhouse, Tampa Bay Bucks, 79% of the time they're facing zone coverage. Crazy. Teams aren't playing man against them, right? They're not singling up uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Uh, the lowest on the list, the Commanders, uh, 63.9, so 64% of the time, still facing zone coverage. Not a lot of man going on anymore. And then, like, some of the interesting stats, uh, you know, they, they filter at fantasy points per drop back. Um, when San Francisco did get man coverage, the leader, 0.78 fantasy points, you know, per drop back for man coverage. Um, zone, uh, they were also the leader in the clubhouse, though, at 0.46. But just looking at the two columns back and forth, primarily zone coverage and the numbers match up on both columns, right? You tend to score less fantasy points facing zone coverage than you do man coverage. Here's here's the, the overall crux of it, right? So just using that data, Adam, and we'll kind of come back to it and touch on it, and I'll kind of scour the thing here, but do we think with the way the last two years have kind of gone because the trends are very similar now it's even more zone coverage this year than it was last year when everyone's talking about cover two shell and all this shit Mm -hmm. it's even more this year will offenses will quarterbacks adjust like are we going to see a swing like i i would say yes but i just couldn't tell you when that's gonna be does like year three of this shit like feel like okay now, like the Sean McVeighs, the Mike McDaniels of the world, like I bet, <laughs> like we're gonna design strictly based off like zone beaters. All right, you guys want to play this this shell coverage, this cover two, cover three, cover four, cover six. Come at us. All right, this is what we're we're rolling out, and you're gonna eat shit. Um, or <laughs> is this still gonna take another year? Like, is this still gonna be another year for us, for fantasy people, really investing in super flex leagues and quarterback? Like, are we gonna have another year like this? Like, is it gonna get even worse before it gets better? Just kind of your thoughts on this. Um, it's a good question. I would say this. Um, it, what I heard, if at least from you, let me let me let me just make sure I'm hearing what you're saying. I, me personally, what I believe is that the NFL is one of these leagues. It's uh, they, they call it a copycat league, right? And the idea behind the copycat league is basically that when you see something work, you go and study film and you figure out what that is that it works and how it works and you go and replicate it and you make your version of it, whether that's literally copying the exact same thing or making slight tweaks to make it similar. So what I, what the reason I wanted to bring that up and talk about that is because there's a very big zig and zag though, when there's successful um, type players and schemes and and teams right so yeah you can come out for and you may see numbers dip and all that but like the rules are still the rules and they're in place with the offense to succeed and I I just I don't think that this is something where you know zone coverage is going to keep teams from also figuring out how to scheme against that on the offensive side and have a lot of success 
And just like the defense is going to do that, the offense is going to see that and they're going to see ways to beat that. And one of the great parts about football and just sports in general is the game continues to evolve that way, right? It changes and, and you'll see ups and downs. And I can say almost, I can't say with certainty, nothing in life is certain, but I can almost say with certainty that offenses will adapt and make zone coverages pay at some point. Now, you're on board with that, it sounds like, but you're really asking like more so when we'll see that. I mean, that's a million dollar question, buddy. If I if I knew that, I'd, I'd have <laughs> if I knew that, I'd, I'd I'd have a bunch of tickets out there with a bunch of winners, right? Like I would just I could see the future. I, I would say you might start to see um, a little bit of offenses take off, but that might be something that's really more two years away um, and, and possibly further before it's like elite production versus zone coverage is so much that they have to adapt and switch. I guess for the uh, the people who really dive into data, like one of the things I think, at least for me, just sitting here, and I could be completely wrong, but one of the things I would like to see is the trend from 22 to 23, how much more zone coverage was played versus 23 than, than 22. Uh, we obviously saw the scoring for quarterbacks go down. But corollary, did, did scoring for running backs increase? Because it felt like a lot of our point-per-carry leagues, right, like the running back warp line was a lot higher than it ever had been. Like it was either right on par with wide receivers top to bottom or <clears throat> above it by a fairly significant margin where last year in 22 it didn't really feel like that. It didn't feel like that's kind of where it was. It really felt like the running back was dying as a whole. This year kind of felt like a little mini resurgence. Is that something that maybe there's a connection between more zone coverage and offenses? This is how they're going to adapt. Like, you want to sit back in zone, now we're going to run the ball down your fucking throat, right? Like, we're going to hammer the, the ball. Yeah, I mean, now, obviously, I think that's part of it. I, I don't necessarily think, though, that um, we're going to be able to, because of that, predict necessarily which running backs are going to be those guys. We saw this year Kyron Williams. I mean, going into the year, it wasn't even like proje projected by almost anybody right. to be the the lead back. Uh, even Rashad White, like we knew he was going to be the lead back, but fantasy receipts is a big thing now, right? I'm sure there's some people out there with receipts that they were in on Rashad White, but by and large, the majority of the community wasn't. So it's hard to pick the specific back, I think. Um, there's always exceptions. I mean, you tell me right now that if CMC stays healthy, everybody would be betting that he's killing it this year. So... There's always exceptions. Um, so it might it might be hard to predict the specific back, but to the point you're making, yeah, I think that, you know, there's going to be times where we it just make sense to run the ball versus this this defense and do it until you see them change, right? One other, like, interesting nugget while I was going around there and just looking at data, um, we, we saw it in the playoff game. At least I saw it. It was horrible. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was disgusting. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles face cover zero. Cover zero, you know, for people who aren't in the, the know on football. Anyways, if you play cover zero, you're one-on-one -on -one across the board. Right? right? There's no safety help. There's no zone behind it. It's nothing. And you play in cover zero because you're usually bringing the house on a blitz. Right? <laughs> Typically, yep. 7.2% of the time the Eagles got cover zero. <laughs> Seven point, by far and away the highest. Uh, the lowest, your Cleveland Browns were only at 1.3% on the year. So teams only brought the house against Cleveland's offensive line, their scheme, 1.3. Almost seven fucking times more <laughs> yeah. in the season, Adam. They're like, yeah, we're just going to blitz the shit out of the Eagles because they ain't got no answer for it. Yep. None. I mean, and, and also it's like um, typically 
you'll say, okay, we're having a hard time stopping this defense. We want to like, bring pressure to disrupt what's happening, right? You're going to uh, try to disrupt it versus a lot of times maybe versus the Browns. I mean, right or wrong, they're saying we're, we want we are going to make you beat the scheme that's out there versus like bring something really disruptive because you don't have an answer for it. One of the good ones, uh, cover two man for the Madden players. That's one of my favorite defenses to run. Just cover two, man. cover, cover two, cover safety. two. Yeah. Cover two man. Cover two you're, man. You're, yeah. You're manned up underneath, but you got two safety help over On the, the top. top. So, yep. Hey, you pretty much got it about, you're not bringing any pressure with cover two man, but, uh, the, the dolphins got cover two man <laughs> the most in the league. Right. And they, I want, guess they need a lot of help over the top when you're covering Tyree, buddy. And Jalen Waddle, yeah. yeah. You don't want them to go over, but you also need somebody locked up with them underneath. Um, and you didn't want them to find those gaps in the zone, right? Like you didn't mm-hmm. want them to, uh, to beat the cover three or find the hole or find the hole up the seam in uh, cover two. Absolutely mm-hmm. not just looking at some of this data point and just how it fits with football and just generally the scheme that you do. But it did bring the overarching point, Adam, if we don't see an uptick from quarterbacks this fall, this next year. What's kind of our pivot? Like, what are you going to do this offseason in startups? You're about to join in another one. How are we kind of preparing for uh, doomsday? <laughs> doomsday? I think we talked about, like, we're not investing what we used to in a, in quarterbacks anymore just because it never – it didn't seem to work out the last couple of years. But you still kind of want them, don't you? Like, don't in the back of your mind, you're like, what if – what if this is the year that they, they take off and go back? Yeah. Well, I mean, let me just make sure in Dynasty Generous, I, I want you to make sure you're hearing what I'm hearing. So going into the startup I just paid for, you want my strategy, right? Not, <laughs> I'm playing, man. Come on now. Right, Look at just, this guy. Look at that face. Don't matter. We you see the that? same anyways. You got, you, got to get him, you got to get him to make that face every now and again. Now, <clears throat> I, to me, it, when their values, Mike, I tend to be – I would say I tend to be a little more on the contrarian side in general because I think that um, a lot of times when consensus gets too far one way, one way or the other, we're, we're a little overboard, right? So that tends to make my takes or the way I value things and probably end up drafting a little contrarian. So, Mike, if I see a lot of the <clears throat> quarterbacks that are like that I believe are really valuable and still in Superflex leagues, there's scarcity, whether they actually give you points per game enough to win in a specific year – Obviously, you saw this year. That's to be determined by the season. But I—I I mean, I'll probably end up being a little more, a, a little over the board. Like I might, in a way, if I'm deciding I want to go, not try to win this year, why not? Why not edge out the quarterbacks a little bit too? Make that bet at, at a discount, right? Give me three of them. Yeah. While you guys all are going to fill out your rosters, and I get it. I'm not saying you can't fade it and can't have success, but even if it doesn't happen this year, Mike. I'm okay sitting on them for a year. They're one of the um, most value retained like positions out there. The quarterbacks that are elite. Look at Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is a perfect case. I mean, th- this guy really hasn't even proven necessarily that he's an elite quarterback. He still is value value retained. Like he's a top ten option. So um, I don't know if that was exactly what you were looking for, answer wise, but that's the start of it for me. I like it. Um, sitting here thinking about it too. Is it something, at least in our analysis, um, until the uh, the advanced data folks give us all the cool plot graphs and charts and everything that makes it real easy for idiots like us to look. But at least for now, 
like sitting here looking to start, would it be beneficial to look at quarterback scoring for this year and look at fantasy points per dropback based on certain zone coverages and find those guys who are who were beneficial, like who were tearing ass, you know, getting after it this year, at least with zone. And maybe a little bit more fading right now, the uh, the schemes or the quarterbacks who struggled were towards the bottom, like couldn't recognize it as much. You could. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that you couldn't. I think that it's – I think, one, you'd have to go over the information with the fine two comb and then, like, see if you can see the trends, right? I, I would imagine there's going to be some to the point you're making. The one thing I will say that I've learned, Mike, from last year is per, from last year in a lot of different ways, and it kind of makes itself more clear every year, but you have to go through different avenues of where it makes itself clear. What, to be more specific, what I mean by that is – when you learn from something each year, it's because you kind of like I'll tunnel vision on information from last year, or the year prior last year for me, it was warp. Like, even though I knew it wasn't predictive, I may make certain predictions based on warp that was in the last year or two years. So while yes, you could do that. I just be, I would be cautious of, um, overdoing the merit or how much, how much like specifically you're putting into said information because all things change. The only thing that's consistent in the National Football League, I believe, Mike, is is change. Like every year, there's change in some way, shape, or form. So, I got you too. Uh, at least how they list it out on Fantasy Points, uh, the data suite here. They also give you how often that quarterback faced that coverage, like percentage of coverage too. Okay. So you can kind of do your own filtering just by matching them up and going, okay, if you faced really low amounts of cover too. Do I really give a shit what your fantasy points per dropback was? Like that primarily wasn't what you were facing, right? Right. Yep. Um, good example. All right. So I looked at quarterback fantasy points per dropback for cover two. We'll start there, Adam. Um, guys who faced it over ten percent and who finished towards the top in fantasy points per dropback: Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, uh, Jordan Love, Joe Flacco, and Matthew Stafford. All above point four fantasy points per drop back all faced cover two over 10 percent of the time um as far as fantasy mm. points per drop back leader in the clubhouse like for example with the filtering brock birdie was number one at 0.5 points per drop back and you're like holy shit but he only faced cover two uh they have it listed at 5.4 percent of the time so pretty far down there uh let's see how about cover three that's kind of interesting uh josh allen Jalen Hurts. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, the, so some of the information, though, isn't really indicative. Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, their, their style of play is kind of – it's not going to matter. Those are guys that their rushing floor and their rushing touchdown, specifically upside, is just ridiculous. So they, they're going to they're gonna probably be at the top no matter what the coverage was, I'd imagine, for the most part. Well, how about this one for a little nugget, though? Bryce okay. Young, towards the top. In cover three? Cover three. Yep, and he got 43.4% of the time he faced cover three. 0.46 fantasy points per drawback. That's what's crazy about that if you think about that. So you're saying in cover three he was at he was number three overall? Yep. Three and he overall. faced it forty three percent of the time. Quite a bit. Uh by reference, Josh Allen's leading at point five, but he only got it twenty one point seven percent of the time. Well, I just I'm, the reason I'm s i am I want to make that clear is like, okay, so you're telling me right now forty three percent of the time that Bryce Young was facing cover three. He was the number three. Co- he was the number three quarterback in points per, per attempt drop back. per dropback on that. Okay, 
Now think about this though. What's crazy about this? Like, you know what? That, that almost is, I don't like that for him at all. So you're telling me almost half the time he was number three yep. and, and he still finished that bad. Yep. That's yep. not good for me. Honestly, that's a stat I don't like seeing. Oh, uh, this would be my fault. Okay. I was going to say that, that something seems, something seems wild with this. My bad. I got off with the columns here. They got multiple columns. So this was the <laughs> okay. defensive fantasy points per drawback. I was gonna say. So this is a bad one. You don't want. Well, I was gonna say. I, I was gonna say <laughs> the uh, all that shit. I just. Said I was gonna use the Will Ferrell. Um, the math seems to check math. out. <laughs> math ain't math. No. Yeah, he was absolutely horrendous. Okay. Uh, when I sorted by quarterback points, he was point two three fantasy points per dropback for his uh, cover three percentage that he faced. Not good. Not good at all. Uh, your leaders. Uh, we got one, two, I'll just go 35%, seems like. So your top five, Taylor Heineke got cover three, 42.8%. He got 0.56 fantasy points per drop back. A little bit probably smaller sample size than everybody else in and out of the lineup. But yeah. Brock Purdy, 0.51 again, but he got it 41.4% of the time. So he killed cover three. Uh, okay. Jared Goff, CJ Stroud, and Kirk Cousins with his small sample size as well. Those are your top okay. five. Top five, all right. Uh, cover four. I'll make sure I sort the right column here. Tyrod Taylor. Small sample size, I get it, but 0. 0.63 fantasy points per drop back. He got 16.5% of the time. Uh, Deshaun Watson, 0. 0.62 fantasy points per drop back. He got 16.8% of the time. Will Levis, Jake Browning, and again, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. So far, Brock Purdy is turning up like for you play zone against Brock Purdy, you're messing with fucking fire, boy. <laughs> I mean, well, which if, could explain if, if we, why if they we take such few zone, such few zone coverages, right? Like, right, I mean, or such few man coverages because they killed it man. They right. did pretty good against zone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you think about it though, right? Like, if you're playing Brock Purdy in zone, you're saying he's he's lighting up zone coverages, right? That's the yeah, under right the overarching theme. If you if you sit in a zone and you tell Brock Purdy he is going to have weapons everywhere. He just has to find the guy that's in the hole. I mean, doesn't that make sense? And that's kind of what to your and I point, like if you have to find Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, or CMC in zone coverage without a lot of pressure coming your way, you don't, you just don't have to make mistakes, right? Just don't, just don't fuck it up. So here's, here's kind of a caveat too. And, um, I've seen Debro do this throughout the season, right? When he really dives, dives into his primer and he's had some massive hits by looking at the data and then kind of matching it up versus what scheme they're going to face. Big um, time. So I just gave you, I, I took in man, Brock Purdy was deadly, right? We'll just stick with Brock Purdy. He was absolutely deadly. 0.79 fantasy points per drop back. If you played man coverage against Brock Purdy, horrible decision, right? Yeah. You'd much rather play the cover two, cover three, cover four, where he's like 0.5 points, right? Here's the thing. Brock Purdy is absolutely horrendous against cover six. <laughs> Point two points, like Bryce Young level. Bad. Interesting. Interesting. So, I don't know defensive schemes, right? Like, But you can get the data on it. This is what this is telling me. I Listen, I would assume there's smart-ass NFL people out there, but they also do dumb shit from time to time where I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on, which is also what gives us all, all of us uh, – coaches on twitter all of us gms on twitter like hope because you're like what the fuck were these guys thinking but let's just benefit of the doubt if i'm the detroit lions 
like if I've got a decent cover six package, like wouldn't you look at something like that and go, yeah, this weekend, <laughs> this is more fucking feeding you, man. We ain't playing, man. <laughs> we're going to mix up coverages, but we're going to try to play quite a bit of cover six. Yeah. You struggle with it. Right. Yeah. He's been horrendous with it. But uh, at least in uh, cover four, right, Tyrod, Deshaun Watson, Will Levis, Jake Brown, and Brock Purdy, those are your leaders. Jared Goff's is up there at the top. Uh, cover six, Desmond Ritter. Right, <laughs> 0.72. Uh, he only got it 6% of the time, though, so you lose. Nick Mullins in his small sample size got cover six, 22.3% of the time, had 0.5 fantasy points per drop back. Kirk Cousins, same thing. So apparently the Vikings as a scheme, you got two quarterbacks up here. Even though they both had smaller sample size, you give the Vikings cover six. Maybe it's a Justin Jefferson thing. Justin Jefferson just knows how to get open and cover six. TJ Hawkinson maybe. Right. They fucking nuked it. <laughs> they nuked cover six, so they figured that part out. Uh, Russ, Danger Russ, did pretty well against cover six. And uh, Jake Browning, again, in the list. Kind of Jake Browning up here, figuring out zone coverages. So. Jake Browning? Jake Browning probably – I bet you Jake, Jake Browning was pretty good against a lot of the coverages. Now, I'm sure there was a couple that were like, the okay. Guy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm actually kind of impressed uh, just looking at this, how good Brock Purdy was against a lot of these defenses. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the, the I don't know exactly how you want to phrase this, but like the proofs in the pudding. I mean, I don't know what exactly you want to use, but like the guy was good all year as far as the numbers look, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. So they're going to probably be versus most most schemes, most situations. He, you'll see probably you know ebbs and flows as far as like where he really excelled and where he kind of excelled and where he was not as good. But by and large, man, Brock Purdy was pretty good this year, man, as a quarterback. I thought it was interesting, too, because a lot of things we always look at, uh, you know, the Senior Bowl is going to be starting up, right? I mean, you got yeah. the one-on-one DB drills, and if you guys remember last year, Tank Tanktel just nuked everybody. <laughs> you, you could cover him. Yeah. Um, great success story because the year before, right, wasn't it Velas Jones who was dominating everybody in one-on-ones, and then you saw what that IE was shit. <laughs> yep. Shit. Um, but uh, – with the amount of zone coverage it plays, like, does it really matter as much anymore if a wide receiver can win versus man? Like, we kind of judge prospects on that, right? Now, I love the work uh, Matt Harmon does with reception perception, reception, yeah. and the, the, the man charts. Like, I think it's still probably a necessity that you're able to beat man coverage, but damn, the defenses seem to be going to zone so damn much. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I would say this, though. Yes, I think you do. And I think that there are certain times where, um, like, receivers that are the most dominant, they'll you're going to see their, their versus man coverage. They're just – they eat it up. And, like, if you look at the numbers through the quarterback lenses like this, I'm sure there are things and uh, they're kind of telltales for what NFL uh, defenses are going to try to do to start the year off especially until we start to see what it looks like. But, Mike, I think by and large – in the NFL, like you see with, I think the most important thing for wide receivers is their route running ability and their versatility. And the more versatile you are, the more you can beat both zone and man, the more you can play both inside and outside. You just, it just is that leveling up to get to the guys that can do whatever they want to do. Justin Jefferson's Jamar chases. They just, they're not one dimensional. They can do whatever they want to do versus man versus zone. They, they eat it all up. Muted. Big Holmes. Listen, I just like to do things and pretend like I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> I went over to look at wide receivers. Um, same thing. 
kind of the same exercise we're going to go through. Let's look at wide receivers uh, versus different coverages. Uh, Tyreek Hill, don't <laughs> fucking play man against him. Fantasy points per route run. One fantasy point for every route ran against man coverage. 1.03 to be exact. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, Nico Collins, Mike Evans, DJ Moore, AJ Brown, Jefferson, uh, Christian Watson, smaller sample size. Fucking Brevin Jordan. Don't play man against Brevin Jordan, Adam. He's an athlete, man. What do you want? <laughs> mano y mano versus Brev. Get out of here. 76 yards to the house, you know? You know who's not, like, I I don't know how far down I have to scroll this, but this kind of makes sense now that I'm just thinking about it. You know who's not up here versus man? Like what guys don't really excel versus man as much? I mean, I guess it's top 30, so it's, like, still decent. Um, but at least for for the season that he had, you know, I would have figured it'd be higher. But I imagine when we go over to zone, it's a much different story. Puka there's two. Tua. There was two guys I was gonna guess: Puka and Amon Ra. Uh, Mr. Amon Ra. I'm just mean, and this is more so that I think they're gonna excel more against zone than they are against man coverage. Yeah, Amon Ra's not up here either, man. Good call. It's hey, listen. I'm, I may not be Koopa. I may not be things. Barry, but. I watch a shit ton of football. Um, I watch more football than I care you to admit. Know some things, my friend. Yeah, he's. I'm tired <clears throat> of scrolling. <laughs> Get now, now, Mike, that's actually something to keep in mind, though, for certain receivers. Honestly, if you played yeah. man coverage against Puka every every play, if that switched back to be something that was the majority of what the NFL is playing, he may not be wide receiver five anymore. I mean, I think he'll still be really good, but yeah. Might get slowed down just a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. How about cover two? Fantasy points per route run. Uh, Tyreek Hill, just good at I mean, any coverage. That's I what I was trying to – that was kind of what I was getting at at the start. Like, yeah. it, there's certain receivers that are going to beat whatever you throw at them. Now, to what degree they beat it, it will will change. But uh, Puka Nakua got cover two 16.5% of the time he was on the field, and he nuked it .79 fantasy points per route run. So, yeah, there it is, the zone. Yep. David Bell up here, boy. <laughs> Don't play cover two. Mike, David Bell. but what? But but think. Just think logically about this. Like it, it, it seems fun. What is that? What are all those guys? They didn't destroy the combine, and their IQ. Yeah. They're able to sit down in the zone and find the hole. Yeah. David Bell was one of the like most polarizing guys until he ran the combine, and everyone was like, "Yeah, I'm out." Right. Versus man, you have to go beat your guy one on one. Different story. TJ Hawkinson up here for tight end purposes, .88, number two overall. Versus uh, cover two? That yeah. makes sense. I mean, not that he's not athletic, but he's really good at finding holes in defense. Uh, cover three, Tyreek Hill. Imagine that. Uh, Jefferson, I mean, Nico, A.J. Brown, <laughs> Sam Laporta. Imagine that. Oh, Sammy. Sammy ball game, cover three. Mike Evans, Rasheed Rice, Kendrick Bourne before the ACL, Cooper Cup. Try to tell you about some Kendrick Bourne, man. You did, man. Uh, cover four, uh, Jalen Waddle. <laughs> Play man, cover two, cover three, Tyreek Hill kills you. Play cover four, Jalen Waddle eats you. <laughs> it's great, great if I'm a defense. Like, what the fuck do we do? Nothing. Sack Tua. Get to Tua. That's what you what, do. But what, what is, Mike, what is it, the under, like the overarching theme? You name, you name man, cover two, cover three, cover four, Miami. Right at the top. Yep. Yeah. They're going to they, kill you. They kind of figured that out, right? Like, I think McDaniel, I trust, have kind of figured out how to beat zone. I think he's done <clears> it. Um, 
Amon Ra up there at the top, Christian Kirk, Mark Andrews, D-Hop, Debo again, Cole Komet, um, J-Mo, J-Mo, top 10, against cover four. Yeah. Interesting. Take that. I mean, well, there. when I say yeah, like, go ahead and give, think about what j season was, a couple of plays. So what percentage are we looking at for J-Mo? That, that's the other thing is, I don't know if that, that stat comes through, but. Jamo's yeah, yeah. big play if it happens against cover four, all of a sudden 10%. his numbers are going to look there. All right, there you go. So 10% of the time, and if he had that one long touchdown there, he's going to be really high. Christian Kirk is uh, by far and away the one that stands out because he got a 27.4% of the time, number four overall, beating cover <laughs> four. He, and he was really – okay. So, so I, I would imagine, though, if he's getting it over a quarter of the time, that means Jacksonville as a whole is getting a lot of cover four. Yeah, they, they were facing a ton of cover four. Right. It'll be close to the top. Now, wonder, for whatever now reason, how did Ridley Calvin do? Rid- there we go. That's Man. what I'm going to get to. Down, huh? We're scrolling, baby. We're scrolling. <laughs> I see names like Jake Bobo, <laughs> Khalif Raymond, <laughs> Scotty Miller, <laughs> Will Disley. Yeah. It's down there, bud. <laughs> it's down there. But here's the cool thing. If I wasn't such an idiot, they have all the cool filtering tools, so I could just filter out every wide receiver who didn't get greater than 15 percent you know and yeah. figure it out but yeah story for another day and then cover six uh andrew ogletree <laughs> what the fuck? andrew ogletree monster gets cover six but uh actual players tyreek hill t higgins amon ra jordan addison tucker craft nico collins jake ferguson noah brown texans apparently very good against cover six well the receivers are pretty good against cover six because they got a, they probably got a certain guy slanging it first cover. I think to like simplify it, if they could just take I was two, actually just gonna two, say three, four, and six, and just lump it all into zone versus man. And I was just gonna say that's just get an overarching view for the audience. I was just gonna say that to, we should do that just to try to um, simplify some of the takeaways or what we what we're seeing as far as the data goes. Right, they get so damn in depth with it, but. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting just to kind of look at it and, and see if you can get some takeaways. But back to the strategy point. All right. We're both going to do a startup. I've done this is my third, fourth. By the way, I, I took know. the 11th spot. Oh, I didn't even know we were doing derby. Look at me. Mm-hmm. How? Oh, man, I'm second to last pick. Fuck me. <laughs> derby selection. No, RIP me. Hope I enjoy eight or nine. <laughs> I mean, you're going to get what you, you get. You know how that's going. <clears throat> you always get eight or nine, right? I mean, you're, you're going to get what you get. You know, you're, you're not, you're not going to get much say in the matter. Um, that's I, true. You're going to get somewhere between seven and nine, almost guaranteed, right? All right. So does it change or alter at all? Right? We just think about a normal startup, I'm trying to do one that's not IDP, but a uh, normal startup. Mm-hmm. Do you have a little bit more hesitation once you get past, uh, let's say, like QB6? seven and taking these uh fringe top eight kind of guys the trevor lawrence's of the world the anthony richardson's anthony richardson no anthony richardson no can can i tell you what you told what you from what you said to me it made it very clear for me again one of the reasons i love anthony richardson and i i'll take i'll take all the heat and i'm i'll happily take it and scorch me burn me and I promise you I'll incinerate me I won't die on this take is that like one of the things that those numbers you 
you can probably find certain things within numbers that say, okay, Trevor Lawrence, this is some of the coverage that he was beating at a, at a higher clip than many, and maybe not others. But really, if you start looking at the way uh, quarterbacks are, their success come as far as passing goes, I'm sure for a lot of different quarterbacks, you can find a lot of different coverages where it's up and down. Anthony Richardson is the most like anyone in the NFL if you were to compare as far as the way he is as an athletic freak specimen, Josh Allen and, and Jalen Hurts. And I believe that the coverage for them, as, as far as fantasy points go, is not necessarily as relevant. I'm not saying it can't influence it some, but their legs and their ability to score like points, both running the football with yards and with touchdowns, I think is what makes their not just their ceiling so high, but their floor so high. <clears throat> and so for me, Anthony Richardson, the main thing for him is going to be health. Yeah, He's got to stay healthy. And I, I think that's kind of the case for most players, although he's maybe a little more prone to it because of his style of play. But A-Rich for me, Mike, actually, nah. When I hear this, I, I'm almost a little more bullish on getting some A-Rich. Um, Trevor Lawrence, though? Yeah, absolutely. Trevor Lawrence is, I mean, at a certain point... Why are we why are we putting him that much higher than Jordan Love and Brock Purdy? Not saying that I wouldn't take them one for one over Jordan Love or Brock Purdy, but like why? But yeah. Realistically, it's I think a lot still because of a uh name cachet or we're we're trying to say that this is still the golden <laughs> the golden boy and we got a lot of NFL data on him now, man. It's not like this is, you know, some first-year player that we expect to really take this huge leap. We've seen him play for a while. He's got some good things in his game. I don't dislike him, but I'm not taking him anywhere near the top eight. What that probably costs, no. So for those two specifically, yes, I'm a little worried on T-Law. Do you think, um, with like some of these guys then, right? So if A-Rich, you know, let's say he's gone. You're on the clock. You got the choice of, uh, you know, like you said, Jordan Love, the 101, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Brock Purdy, like one of these guys in that range. Traditionally, just thinking about a normal best ball super flex startup, would you lend yourself to more consideration uh, for like the 101 pick or a Justin Jefferson or a CeeDee Lamb, Jamar Chase type? Then a quarterback? Then a quarterback. Absolutely. I, I think, Mike, that's one of the things, though, that is cur- the way it's currently like uh, sitting and established, right? You're looking for me anyway. Like, there's there's a there's a pretty big tier break right now, and it's not necessarily because of the points per game. It's that I believe that like after a rich who has I think has a lot of upside. Now he may not be the most stable. He may have injury risk. He hasn't proven that like he has NFL success on his resume yet, but. Once you get past there, there's a really big tear break, I think, as far as like securing a guy that necessarily gives you that. Like you could you could go older, you could get the Dak Prescott types. You know? Um, you could try to buck the trend and say, like, from what I saw with Kyler last year, I think he's that. But I'm not looking to do that in that range. And that's one of the things with the quarterback play, with the zone coverage as we're seeing, not being able to predict how quickly the success is gonna be for certain quarterbacks to that zone coverage and and honestly even if let's say Mike it it does eventually the offenses kind of buck the trend that we've seen in the last last year and last two years especially what does that really look like for certain players I I don't know that I want to take them this high when I can get what do I know about CeeDee Lamb and 
Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase's. I'm in Ross St. Brown's even. Like right now, all they've proven is that they're studs at their positions. Even when it's a deep position, they matter a lot. So I'll go ahead and take those types. So I'm going to listen. I'm hearing what you're saying with the quarterbacks too. I think one of the big things that's going to determine, especially if I got like one of these fringe guys, Mm -hmm. can they make plays with their legs? Mm -hmm. Fall else breaks down. You're going to face a fuck ton of zone coverage. Can you punch the goddamn football in? Right? Like, I think that's probably why Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts are elevated in fantasy points per drop back against zone coverage. Maybe not. I'm not saying they're not. Okay. Like, I'm not a quarterback savant. Okay. They might be very good against zone coverage. They might be deadly, but they can make plays with their legs. So maybe that's why fantasy points per drop back look so good because they get a lot of goal line zone and they go, all right. Still punching this fucking thing in, right? Like, yeah. I'm going to run through the linebacker's chest. It's going to count as six points and, you know, how many every yards I got. Right? right. It was a drop back. They dropped back to pass, and then they took off and just pounded that thing right down the fucking throat of the defense anyways. Exactly. And, that, I mean, just think about it that from the lens of if – okay, Mike, put it like this. Remove all the current stats that we just read. Let me just give you, like, the hypothetical to really think about why this is the case, mm-hmm. okay? So you've got – Let's say versus whatever zone coverage it is. Again, remove what the current stats you just heard. Let's say it's, I don't know, cover four for the sake of argument. Just pick one. And let's say you got Tua Tungvaluwa, and let's say you have, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts or Anthony Richardson. So versus this scheme, Mike, Tua's success is going to be determined based on how his receivers are beating this coverage, getting open, and how he's throwing the football. Like his fantasy point success is not going to be because very often Tua is breaking, seeing, you know, the play break down and taking off and running. Even if it is versus zone where it's not like it is versus man, right? In, in man coverage, this Anthony Richardson, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, they could see everybody is not paying attention to him and take off for a 30, 40 yard run. That doesn't necessarily have to be the case, but if they make a run for seven yards on a play, whereas Tua ends up with an incompletion or throws it out of bounds, like, do you know how much drastically that's going to sway towards the, the player who's running the ball? Like, it's significantly changing the points per game structure, even if they took off and run for two. Like, you got two, you got a two-yard you got a two-yard run versus someone throwing the football out of bounds. And then you stack those up over all the times they're playing, and you, you'll get you will really understand why. Yeah, it's, it's the Konami code, right? So would that also then – at least for me, like I'm looking at, would that translate to at least a little bit to how we're going to value some of these rookies coming in, quarterbacks, right? I mean, it, it, it like should, I, and this is why Jaden Daniels, I think, is somebody that right now, I I know I like Drake May, and I, I think Drake May can run the football, but I know Jaden Daniels has, like, ridiculous upside as a rusher, and that's why I want Jaden Daniels in a lot of spots. Or Michael Penix has damn near none. Just being honest, I mean, I I went to another great site, PFF College Advanced Stats or whatever. But Michael Penix has forty eight <clears throat> total yards on the year from scrambles. But but think think about that for Penix, right? This is why, in an analytic vacuum, or like from just thinking about it like sensibly. Okay, you got an older quarterback that is With not necessarily knees. a sure thing. It has issues with injuries, and we're saying, like, not saying he can't pan out, but. I, from a standpoint of what am I want to bet against? What am I want to bet against, and what do I want to bet on? Like he's more of a, uh, I'd rather either bet against or just pass. You know. 
Uh, Drake May surprisingly decent. Rusher? Football. Yeah. No, he, he can run the football for sure. I mean, I'm not <clears throat> saying he can't, right? Uh, just from scramble yards, like how many would you guess he had on the season? See, the thing about college is so frustrating is it counts the sacks as negatives, right? So is, is this going to count in this stat or no? I don't believe it does. I think okay. PFF filtered that out where they don't take sack yards. So it's just purely scramble yards. Okay, so every <clears throat> so for this season for Drake May, how many times when he scrambled from a passing play did he was his total rushing yards? Yep. Mm. Give me like I'll say like just right around 500ish. 450? Not bad. Not bad guess at all, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just thinking like I I was trying to remember how many games they played and go through it and I was just like I, I think 500 it seems about right. So, I'll take that, man. I'll take that. 450. Let's go. Let's go see how good Jaden Daniels was. I'll tell you, that's going to be crazy. What's over a thousand? Uh, actually, on scrambles, not. Oh, over that's a that's true because it, it is over a thousand. Not over a thousand. I was going to say because I was. It, it, um, he had a lot. He, he had a lot of design rounds. I should have taken that. Yeah. So what is it? Eight hundred maybe. Seven seven twenty one fifty five scrambles. I'll take those guesses, man. Now the thousand, although it was my first guess, I I needed to reconsider because I design runs don't count. Right. Not too but bad, he, though. What did he run for? I mean, like, wasn't it 1,300 yards or something crazy? I don't know what his total counting stats are. Like you said, two with college rushing for the, quarterbacks. Yeah. Like the, it's such a stupid way to count sack yards. Against <laughs> <laughs> quarterbacks, whatever. Yeah. I like the NFL. They don't count it against the quarterback. They count it against team passing yards, right? Yes, thank you. Yep, I agree do, with that. Do that. Do it. So, the NCAA is so fucked anyways. I said 1,300. I, I don't know how many times he got sacked and how much I counted against him, but he, he, his counting stats were 1134. So uh, okay. when you think Could of just a few sacks, it's probably taken it down pretty yeah. decent degree. Not as far different between scrambles between Daniels and May as I thought. <clears throat> That's pretty sizable, though, dude. 721 versus 450? It's almost yeah. double. Well, yeah. I, I it's size it's very sizable. I, I it don't don't downplay it now. It, it's it, I would say that Drake May is very capable as a rusher. He can scramble, but Jaden Daniels can take the freaking top off of a defense. Like if you are, I don't care what you're running against him, but if you're running man especially, and you don't have someone you know the spy so to speak, or you have someone with their eye on him, Duke could be gone, absolutely gone. Like he's, I imagine he's going to be extremely fast in the in the combine if he runs. Here's one for you, then. Talk to me. What was Caleb Williams? I bet you not that great. Solid, but not that great. That's my guess. That's my guess. I'm going to say 300. 207. I'm in the ballpark. I'm missing, but I'm in the ballpark. You're in the ballpark. But uh, I like Drake Even May. lower. That's, Drake May is more than double. <laughs> so that's how that works. I got the math. Look at this guy, huh? Get him on the analytics team at South Harmon. Look at that. <laughs> No, I, coming for you, DB. I I think that's one of the things about Caleb Williams why I love him, Mike. I I think that Caleb Williams is going to be great. By the way, I do. But if you told me right now that I was able to pick up a plus, especially the way we play in a lot of best ball leagues, and I get Jaden Daniels, some people would be like, "You're crazy, man." Caleb Williams is a sure thing. Jaden Daniels isn't. I don't I don't even know need to know what that plus is, but I know in a shorter window. Jaden Daniels, as long as he's healthy, is going to have some rushing tremendous upside that people aren't baking in probably as much as they should. Just the way I think about the quarterback position. But I'm also crazy, and I'm also missed on the quarterback position tremendously. Jordan Love, you know. So I think it's because like how he plays, um, 
kind of that more like Patrick Mahomes style, where it's Caleb? not always about yeah. Yeah, he's a tactical. He's a very tactical scramble. He wants to almost scramble in a way to throw. He and then he'll run if he has to. Kyler kind of does the same thing too, right? Yeah, a lot of circles. Run around, run around, run around. Make you chase me. Now the thing about Kyler is though that's different, right? And this is where Kyler's like Konami code. You saw with Cliff Kingsbury, if you put this guy because of his like bursty quickness, if you put this guy in scram like design runs, oh buddy, freaking crazy with that dude. He's a little water bug. Now. I don't know how much you're going to probably be drawing up any type of design runs for Caleb Williams, frankly. Yeah. Do you think, uh, man, just kind of think about it here, too. Um, like, one of the reasons we kind of like Justin Herbert, too, was just the fact that he, uh, he's he got some mobility to him, right, some size. Uh, his scramble yards, actually, though, wasn't that great in uh, in college. Uh, his high for mm-hmm. his entire career was 220. Okay, the Williams-esque, 207. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's one thing, though, if we're going to talk about kind of that Konami light code, at least when evaluating, like Caleb Williams, Justin Herbert, like that's the floor that you have to hit. If you're at 48 like Michael Penix, you just go <clears throat> no rushing upside whatsoever. And I think that's the thing, though, Mike. It, actually, I'd be curious if you want to pull it up if you have the information in front of you, like what CJ's was. Yeah, let's go find CJ Stroud. Because this was, I think, in the Georgia game where CJ's going to probably prove that his was not necessarily like the biggest in- indicator of his ability. His uh, his last year, he had 129 scramble yards, so right. it did so, increase. And now the point, though, that I'm c- going to try to say here is that I think part of it is is really like looking at the numbers. And then also doing like a, a little bit of a judge on certain games. Like CJ Stroud does not want to scramble. That's not the reason he's scrambling. Or he, I'm sorry, he does not want to run a ton. Like when he scrambles, it's not with the idea of going to destroy you in the run. However, he's capable, right? Like he's more than capable of as a rusher. Like we saw versus Georgia, he could absolutely do it. This year in spots, he did it, but he's typically looking to throw the football. Uh, the the difference is like for your point to your point with Penix, P- Penix is not going to run the ball at all, even if it's there. Really, like, and even if he does, what does that look like? Probably nothing of like su- substance, really, for fantasy. It's not something you right. care about. Oh wow, I would have thought his would have been higher too. JJ uh, McCarthy, one hundred and sixty-eight on the year. Well, I mean, but how many of his are uh, designed? Quite a bit. Yeah, that's that's difference. what I was gonna say. Yeah. Right, a lot of read option stuff. I saw Pello post that that highlight reel from Twitter that somebody had made. Yeah, and I was like, ah, that's a lot of read option. It, and good that's job with the fake man. Good. And that's point. good. I mean, listen, that's what he's asked to do, and that's where people are gonna say like, well, what? It's he's a hard. That's why he's gonna be one of the hardest to evaluate. Is like, you know, the way they they're using him, but. That's a, that's kind of a whole different bag of worms, in my opinion. But yeah, what you're looking for is a good quarterback with high upside, good draft capital. But then the Mike, you're looking for that ability to have a rushing floor. Like Justin Herbert has a very good rushing floor. Uh, I think even Caleb Williams has a pretty good r- rushing floor. It's not going to be the thing he looks to do and what's going to be the biggest driver of his fantasy stats. But to your point, he's not a statue, and because of that, he's going to be able to be more effective as a thrower, but also just slightly increase his floor in fantasy because he will run the football some. If you completely, you know, were manned up against him and he sees the ability or sees a wide open hole, he can run, 
has the ability to run through and score a touchdown even in a certain spot. So that's very different than certain guys that are more statue-like and they can't run at all. Brock and that's – what's Brock Birdie at? Let's hear it. 268 in college. So he moved a little bit. And what – Mike, I, let me ask you if you remember this. When I when I first met uh, Eric Armstead, talking about talking about like you know Brock Purdy and Trey Lance and his, do you remember what his wording was to me when uh, I was asking about that with Brock Purdy? The, what Brock Purdy did so well for San Francisco? I don't remember what you said when he what Eric. He said, said that this year for us in particular, <clears throat> his ability to improvise, just make plays when nothing was happening, as far as just keeping them alive to get it to somebody that was open or run the football like his ability to do that improvising was something they hadn't had because Trey Lance would have been able to do that but he got hurt right away and Jimmy G couldn't improvise for freaking nothing and most of those other guys couldn't improvise for nothing so that like in particular was literally the thing that he said that differentiated what Brock Purdy was not that he didn't have other leadership traits and stuff but that he was able to improvise and that, that stuck out to me was that was the first thing he said and I think it is true about his game. I'd be interested to see what the analytics guys do say about uh, quarterback rushing yards too, like how how important they are because there is a lot of corollaries for a lot of quarterbacks I think that are good, kind of have that little bit of the safety floor, right? There's the elite of the elite, right? The the Jalen Hurts, the Josh Allens, the Anthony Richardson types, you know, Jane Daniels coming in that's a good one um, those guys have it. Then you kind of have like the next tier, like the highly mobile quarterbacks that Maybe don't put up the uh, the 500 yard NFL season on the ground, right? The, don't let me be remiss to not put Lamar Jackson in the elite category. But uh, mm-hmm. you got the pretty good guys, but the guys that are really talented with their arms, the Patrick Mahomes of the world, the Kyler Murrays. Um, Kyler, I don't think is like a threat for eight nine hundred yards on the ground, but four five hundred is well within his reach. Um, I mean, he he definitely can get that. I I, I want to say he's had some some really good. Rush, I'll pull it up while you talk. Go ahead. What it, what it was. Um, uh, but then you kind of have that next tier where you need to be able to move around and create Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert. I was going to – Mike, for, and actually, you know what? Uh, I don't mean to cut you off. You, you finish, and then I'll get yeah. back to that Kyler point. Go ahead. And then it feels like you got the absolute statues where those are the guys where you go, <clears throat> nah, I'm good. Mac Jones? <laughs> Who? Yeah, Mac Jones. That Mac Jones doesn't <laughs> – it doesn't, it doesn't quite hit the same anymore, does it? Now – that was maybe one of the things. Is a, maybe this is a. Uh, is this an epiphany? Detriment, for you? <laughs> detriment to my Michael Penix love. It's definitely it definitely should be, and that's that's more so to the fact of Mike that if you get him, it should be at a pretty big discount because there's other things that are deterrents from him succeeding that are and and he doesn't have the rushing upside. Now, I want you to think about that, actually, Mike. What you said about Kyler was so interesting to me because he's a perfect example in my opinion, in my estimation, from when he was at the quarterback one discussion and why people don't actually, those that really probably grind the data, Barry probably is aware of this. Now, I don't know how much he like really skews his brain that way. And this is where with Anthony Richardson for me, Mike, I felt like I was fighting the world last year. Mike, with, with Kyler Murray, for the most part, he's a four to 500 yard rusher. But the capability, like you're like, I don't know that he's capable or that's literally when he was quarterback one or in the discussion, 800 yards and 11 touchdowns, mm, double digit touchdowns. So, so think about that. And that's the difference. The difference from being a very good quarterback, Jordan Love range, Brock Purdy range, the, the back end quarterback one types 
to break fantasy is rushing. It's rushing. Now, the exception to the rules are going to be the years that Peyton Manning goes bananas, 50 yards, 50 TDs, and like like outliers in the passing game. Uh, even last year, Patrick Mahomes was just ridiculous as a passer. So if you have that level of passing upside, you can kind of weather the storm. You, you, can, you can beat some of these crazy rushers. But the difference is going to be basically rushing floor and elite rushing ceilings. That's what changes the game in fantasy. And that's where Anthony Richardson, to me, has Justin, Le- Justin Fields level type thing. Where, <clears throat> Mike, we saw with Justin Fields, what? <laughs> Team was terrible two years ago. He was terrible to start off. He had an unbelievable rushing season, and it just corrected everything else because that's how important rushing is in the, the scheme of fantasy at that position. Yeah, the most Patrick Mahomes ever had on the ground, right? Looking at it, the most yards, 389, which was this year, actually. Most touchdowns, four right. uh, last year. But the reason like he can get up there and hang with them, like you look at his QB2 overall finish, 25 5K plus, right? 5,000, 5,200 yards, Yeah, 5K touchdowns. plus, man. Like the, he's, he's yeah. literally in the elite, elitist quarterback seasons of all time as a passer. Correct. Uh, you know, 2020, 4,700 yards, 38 touchdowns. So like you got to be pushing 5K in the yardage column, and you got to be pushing 40 touchdowns through the air. There's and, very and, few guys like that you can just project they're going to do it. On, and, and on a pretty consistent basis. Like, we, we actually yeah. believed that was going to be the case for Mahomes, and then this year happened, right? Yeah. And it, and it took a shit. So, I guess when I'm looking at quarterbacks, right, like the rushing is going to play a bigger part. Big time. Because you have that, that little bit of a safer floor. Right? It never used to as much for me. You know, I knew it's been out there. Uh, I knew it's been out there. But now coupled with the amount of zone coverage people are playing, seeing how well the guys who have the rushing floor – did fantasy points wise with the zone coverage doesn't really matter if NFL offenses figure it out or not. Like those guys are the safer bets Mm -hmm. Um, in case offenses don't figure it out. Like they don't ever, you know, maybe defenses are the ones who are going to rule the day. I know it's skewed towards offense. That's just the way the NFL is, but kind of feels like the defenses finally got one. (laughs) I don't know if uh, the purists are going to let it go. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's going to be on the onus of the quarterbacks and these offense coordinators, offensive mind, mm. offensive-minded head coaches to figure it out. Now, looking at it, like how about uh, old Kirko Chains, right? Like the the best year he ever had. That's why Kirk Cousins is the anomaly, though. Kirk Cousins has always been such a very good thrower, and he gets, you know, he's 4K almost plus every year. He's going to be a 30-touchdown guy roughly every year, but his rushing is not going to be anywhere to be found. I mean, the guy can't run. He's not a rusher, right? His best ever fantasy finish in points per game was 20. Okay. Sounds about right. 4,200 yards through the air, 156 on the ground. Yep. Also, coincidentally, his second highest rushing total he has ever had in his career. <laughs> At 156, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, But he threw 35 touchdowns. So, <clears throat> kind of in that mold. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what, what I say, every year he's going to give you at least 4K, and he's going to give you – well, not at least, but he, he's in the mix for 4K. He's in the mix for that 30 touchdowns. Mike, now I want, I want you to think about this, what that really means, though, the rushing floor and then, like, the difference as far as, like, making the jump to um, the elite side. So I'm just going to give you – I don't know, like, how much you've, like, historically um, taken a look at, like, what is a – like, what's a, a ridiculous rushing season versus what's kind of in, like, the – the new mix, and then how that compares right now currently to really the like old times. So 
you're going to see when you look at this that if you look at historical numbers as far as rushing quarterbacks go, it's littered with a lot of the guys since 2000 because there's guys that can run the football at a much different level nowadays, right? There's better athletes at the quarterback position overall. I mean, there's better athletes in the game overall too. The athletes just developed. But, okay, Mike, how many many times – forget like actual player. How many times – do you think that someone has run for over 700 yards in the NFL in a season as a quarterback? Uh, just do, do players count for multiple, right? Like the same player multiple times. That's what I was going to say. Forget players. So this is, this is, this is occurrences. So you will see multiple, you will see a multiple. Yes. I know Lamar's at least twice, maybe three times on that list. Uh, Cam Newton, Kyler, you mentioned him earlier. Michael Vick. Vick's on it, yeah. Probably two two or three of those. Vick is on there. Tw- he's on there twice. He's actually on the- Can you believe that? No, no, three times. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say. Gonna, I'm going to go with the total occurrences of 14. 21. 21 times. Now, all right. Now, Mike, when you think about this, though, you, you, you're probably – you won't be as upset. So, on this list, okay, so when you go to 700, you've got uh, – Daniel Dimes uh, actually made it last year. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that fucking guy. Right, and now now here's where it gets crazy at 700. Okay, so you got Cam Newton one, two, three, four times. You've got Vic at three. You got Lamar one, two, three, four, five. Lamar's five times, Mike. Okay. So, so I mean, like, uh, you got Russell Wilson actually one year had 849. Can you believe that? People really put some disrespect on the old the old version of Russ's ability to just Michael. You know what he was when he was when he did that and uh, a few years in Seattle. He was a guy that looked to run or not to run. He wanted to throw, but when he was available, he might hit you for a 30, 40 yard run. And some of yeah, those times, he could move. Uh, Randall Cunningham one one time. Yeah. Bobby Douglas back in nineteen seventy two, which is just like unheard of because nobody else on this list is anywhere near that time frame. Um, I have no idea who the fuck Bobby Douglas is. Man. I'm imagining this was a lot of uh, old school running the football, like, but I don't even actually know the <laughs> like wing jo- T shit. Josh Allen's on here one, two, three times. Kyler's on here once. So Justin Fields is on here a couple times. My point is, Fields. What are we? What are we? What are you hearing though overall? Like, you're hearing a lot of repeat names, and you're hearing the guys that are like, they're gonna get you five to seven hundred yards almost just by showing up. But, but when they all hit, like, break fantasy. Lamar, 1,200 yards. Justin Fields, 1143. Michael Vick, a, a, over 1,000. Lamar hit 1,000 uh, twice. So, like, I, I just I, I want you to kind of think about that, uh, everyone listening, Dynasty Degenerates. Like, when you bake in rushing floor, like Josh Allen is great. Part of the reason he's so good as a rusher, though, is because he's going to hit you double-digit touchdowns a lot. Josh, Josh Allen's not going to really break more than 750. That's like his highest. He's not going to go out there and run 1,200 yards. That's not happening. But his rushing floor is ridiculous because you pair that with his rushing touchdowns and holy shit, dude. He doesn't even have to be a good thrower of the football. Like he, He's going to break it. Now, if you think about guys like Justin Fields' level of rushing, Jaden Daniels' level of upside, Anthony Richardson's levels of upside, which haven't hit this list yet, those are the guys you can project and say, their floor is probably 700 if they're healthy. But holy shit, buddy. If anyone's going to get in this Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields range, those are the guys. And if that happens, what? 
forget it. I don't care what anyone else does at the quarterback position. It's not fair. They're not going to be in the range of quarterback one overall unless you're Mahomes type. You know, you're that level of a thrower. If you run for a thousand yards, you basically can guarantee there's a top five run, a top top five quarterback for the year. You almost guarantee it. Hmm. This Just, is one Justin Fields. <clears throat> Justin Fields, man. Justin Fields, Mike, they were the worst team in football. He was he was not a very good thrower that year and what? Top five. And that's yeah. like he's the most extreme example in recent memory of why that level of rushing upside just changes the game at the quarterback position. So Yeah, we thought Daniel Jones was horrible. Till last year. <laughs> yeah. Came in, ran for eight hundred yards, right. did some shit through the air. All of a sudden he's a second round startup pick. Mm-hmm. When Kyler was going top five. Why? He came off the back of the dude having 819 and 11 touchdowns, yeah. and they're having design runs for him. You're like, I want that guy. I don't care how small he is. I want that guy. Right. Man, really makes me wonder if we've kind of uh, just been overlooking Jaden Daniels. I know, like, the drum beat is, is getting a little bit stronger for him, but from a fantasy standpoint, Adam, what you're telling me is the likelihood of Caleb Williams coming out and beating Patrick Mahomes is probably not very good. I think he's awesome, but that's like rarefied elite territory, right? There's a reason Patrick Mahomes get got a half a million dollar contract. Okay, <laughs> there's a reason he's got all these endorsement deals that he's face of the NFL. Yeah, he's good. He's that yeah. dude. Yeah. To put that onus on Caleb Williams from a dynasty lens, like this is what you have to be in yep. order to be in the elite territory, kind of stinks, man. Now, now, okay. You're on to something here. Now, th- this I think is actually the, when you get to the la- the level of of this point, it, what what you're on to is so good. And I think the best way, like Dynasty Jenners, think about it this way: Why is why why did it take the community so long to get to Jalen Hurts, Mike? Why did it take so long to say like, all right, Jalen Hurts is a top five Dynasty quarterback? I mean, now people are trying to push him out of that, but well, that's not the discussion we're having right now. Why did it take him so long to get there? His first year and a half playing quarterback, he couldn't really throw footballs that well. Correct. They were wor- and they're worried about that combined, Mike. What? But but the reason it was even more of a worry than it is currently is because the draft capital. He wasn't a first round pick. Yes, and because of that, it was like okay, he may be good in fantasy for a year or two, yes. but there's no certainty that he's going to stick around. Right. Give him the bag, all of a sudden, okay. <laughs> Forget that discussion. He's here to stay. Mike, when you get a first-round draft capital on a guy, what's going to happen? Unlikely that it's a Sam Darnold when they're that level of athlete. They, they know that's, you know, uh, not Sam Darnold, sorry, Josh Rosen, uh, where it's like the guy just doesn't play football at, in his second year. When you give him that, like, four- to five-year leash, we feel like, as a dynasty player, and they have that upside, that's when – okay, we can be starting to push the needle on drafting them higher and making it where they're, they're a lot more secure. Because, yes, you may be afraid of Anthony Richardson's ability to throw. You may be afraid of uh, Jaden Daniels' staying power as a thrower. I, but when you get them four to five years of a rookie contract where a team can put them out there for nothing, and they're almost guaranteed to start for that time unless if they're healthy, okay, now we're cooking in a different lens. Whereas Caleb Williams... Everybody that takes Caleb Williams, they they feel like there's no chance he's gonna bust. They feel like there's no chance he's gonna like drop drop dead as far as his value. So that's the biggest thing when you tie it all together. If you can tell me the guy has the draft capital and that rushing upside, 
Brett, we, we have to be probably more so. And that's where I was at with Averish last year. That was so, part of the reason I was so high on it is like, I don't care at this point. He can suck as a passer, but this guy can break fantasy with his legs. And that's where it can be with Jaden Daniels. And when you see guys that come in when they're that level of athletes, if you tie the draft capital in, Mike, and if Jaden Daniels gets the draft capital, top 10, top 15, forget it, man. Forget it. He should be very, very highly drafted because of his upside as a rusher. I like it. I like it. I would say then for Drake May and Caleb Williams, if our projections, I think both of them are phenomenal. Um, but I think you should view them or value them more in that realm of Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud. It, Not an indictment against any of them, but those just, are guys who are, who are going to be more of that QB4 to QB8 like range because they're so damn good throwing the football and they have a little bit of mobility, a little bit of yeah. rushing upside. They're not Kirk Cousins where it's, you know, back end QB one is kind of the best you can hope for. Right. It's not like Brock Purdy. Uh, although this year, don't, don't shoot the messenger. I know he was top eight or what, seven, whatever the fuck you want to throw out. But let's just say historically, like I don't think people are projecting that to continue. Okay. He was extremely efficient, had a, had a great time. But if you put them more into that range, Right, like you got two different buckets of quarterback there, the super talented elite Joe Burrows, Justin Herberts, C.J. Strouds. They're fine. They're good. They're they're QB fours. Caleb Williams deserves to be in that bucket. I would say Drake May, in my opinion, probably deserves to be at the back end of that bucket, mm-hmm. with the possibility of moving up into the bucket pretty solidly. It's only one quarterback in this class, in my opinion, that has the potential to be in the Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes bucket, the one, two, three startups in Dynasty. One, two, three quarterbacks off the board in redraft. It's Jaden Daniels. Yeah. I mean, just honestly, Mike, I think it's really understanding that Caleb Williams, I think, can have a lot of success in the NFL and in fantasy. But for him to get to the mix of Jaden that Jaden Daniels could in his first season. He's gonna have to be near historic as a passer. Yeah, Th- like that's the perspective, Mike. I don't think people really can. Like, I'm gonna say that again. Dynasty degenerates, conceptualize this. Jaden Daniels in his first season, if he's a top ten pick, if he runs for a thousand, eight hundred yards, a thousand yards, like he's capable of as an athlete, is going to be a difference maker at the position, Mike. This is what I was talking about with A. Rich, and he was on pace until he got hurt. Now, he got hurt, so it doesn't necessarily matter, but he still has that upside. Caleb Williams, to get to a level of C.J. Stroud, he's going to have to be great. C.J. Stroud was one of the best rookie passers we've seen. And what was his uh, warp finish this year, Mike, in most leagues? I'm trying to remember, actually. It's like, it was back into the top ten? Like seven, eight? Oh, was it, was it six? Yeah. Okay, I'll pull it I've up. Been like in that range, best case scenario. And and that was a guy that had a great, like, I mean, it was honestly for a rookie season, historic. Right, right. That's what Damn. I'm. That, that's kind of what I'm saying is, it's not a bad thing on Caleb Williams. It's not telling you not to take Caleb Williams. It's not telling you that Caleb Williams can't be great in superflex. But if you're chasing just like under, I guess I guess you just should you should understand that before you draft. I think it's the way I, best way I could word it. A little bit more safe or shoot for upside, right? Because you're going to have decisions to make. I'm sitting here thinking, like, do I have Anthony Richardson too low in my dynasty ranks? 
And I think he deserves at least to be in the tier above him, right? Like Lamar, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert. That's kind of where I have it right now. Um, yep. And then A. Rich is in that tier right below him. Like A. Rich, Jaden Daniels. Like I think both those guys at least deserve to be in the conversation. It's just a matter of risk tolerance. Do you want more of the kind of like sure thing? Or do you want to shoot for if I hit and I'm right, fuck you, leak? And where these guys are all going to go to, like, it may feel like a reach if you take one of these guys at six. You're like, oh, my God. But the reality, they weren't fucking coming back to you in the second round, right? Like, they weren't making it back. So is it a reach if the guy wasn't going to make it back to you at your next pick? No, I don't. Not really. I don't think so. No. I think the reach is when you take a guy like a Joe Burrow, C.J. Stroud, Justin Herbert, before you would take a Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, and it's – I don't want to, like, let this – the walk out of this be like, those guys aren't great. It, I'm. This is not what I'm saying. But understand for those guys to have – for the Joe Burrows especially, okay, for a guy like Joe Burrow, guy like Patrick Mahomes even, like, who, it's not that they can't run. It's not that they can't scramble at all. But their, their passing numbers, which that we've seen them both have elite ridiculous passing numbers they're capable of doing it that's why they're valued there but they're going to have to do that in a very very elite way like honestly for the historic level of the game to probably be uh the difference maker that you paid at the 103 type right and that was one thing that like i thought going into this year the reason mahomes for me was the 101 mike is because Mahomes had not shown the ability to have this season. Like I just thought no matter what happens, Mahomes is going to be doing that. And that was the bet that ended up being so damn wrong. So if Mahomes can have that level of downside, ask yourself if you think there's any other quarterback that can also have that level of downside. And the answer, whether you'd like to hear it or not, is probably yes. If Mahomes can have a bad season passing the football because of the situation, ask yourself if you think that's possible for any of these other quarterbacks who are drafting the top five. The answer is very likely going to be yes, man. I like it. And I'm going to get us out of here on this one thing because it's been eating at me since you brought it up. Bobby Dude. Douglas did it for the Chicago Bears. 72. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Boom. So uh, that year, Adam, damn, ran for 968 yards, eight touchdowns, 141 attempts. Averaged per game, 70 yards on the ground. Look at Bobby Douglas go. You want to know his passing stats, though? Pretty rough. <laughs> he threw for a total of 1,200 yards. <laughs> Yikes. Nine touchdowns. Now, it's funny because it feels like so long ago. But, Mike, do you remember when uh, Lamar broke that record? That was actually the NFL uh, rushing record for a quarterback for a long time. And then Lamar uh, broke it. Vic? Uh, I'm sorry. It, it was Vic that broke it, yeah. Um, I think that's well, Lamar. I mean, Lamar broke Vic's. Record, Lamar right? broke Vic's record. Vic broke his record. Yes, I'm sorry. You're right. Um, but the reason I'm saying that is like that that the way when he did it, that was like an uh, archaic style of football that like happened to be that way. They, I'd imagine they ran and ran and ran and ran and ran. Whereas um, nowadays we're talking about guys that are doing it in the current NFL. It's crazy. They got to be freak athletes. They got to be freaks at running the football. The guys that make that list and at the bottom end. Like even Josh Allen, he is a freak, but he's not going to run for. He's not really a, too much of a threat to run for a thousand. That would be crazy if he ran for a thousand. And through uh, through fourteen games of that seventy-two season, the Bears ran the ball five hundred thirty-six times. That's the other thing, Mike. They played fourteen games back then. Think about that. People are bitching that about the sixteen games. to seventeen difference. Fourteen games. 
14 games. Kind of nuts. Uh, Bobby Douglas uh, led the team in rushing. Jim Harrison. Shout out Jim Harrison. I don't know who the fuck that is, but he had 167 carries, 622 yards. Outrushed by the quarterback. Probably wow. back in that day. You, you didn't get free beer at the bar <laughs> in Chicago, guaranteed. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. You Absolutely. Trash, Absolutely. Bobby man. Douglas. Bobby Douglas got the beer. Bobby <laughs> Douglas. Rounds on Bobby. Bobby's got this one. <laughs> Dynasty Generous. This was a fun one. Uh, talking about the quarterback scoring being down and the the coverages that we're seeing, right? Some of the yeah. differences in zones. and Let us know, too. Uh, if you hear this, whether it's on Twitter, uh, however you want to get in touch with us. If the, if you had a piece of information or if you the information gives you a thought that you wanted to let us know about that you think is a big takeaway that we didn't touch on, let us know. And then it kind of transitioned into the class and how we really – what we do with the information that we've digested. And Mike, I, I'll tell you this much. It sounds like, at least from what I'm hearing, I won't get the A-Rich type fight on you with Jaden Daniels this year. I, I, I'm not going to get the fight on. I think the main thing is with Jaden Daniels, Mike. If you, if you tell me right now, if you solidify that he's a top 15 draft pick, you should be hiring Jaden Daniels than you are right now, unless you have him in the very high territory of quarterbacks. I'm talking to I Mike. Think, I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to anyone listening to this. Really, I think right now I got him pretty comfortably, you know, like as a potential top three overall pick for dynasty rookie drafts, right? Um, but I think it needs to go a little bit higher. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. I, I think what's interesting, Mike, is that uh, this was a very analytic started, starting and driven show, and probably the most of it. But I think we can safely like title this. And I'm going to get us out of here. You're too low on Jaden Daniels. I like it. And just remember, not only are you too low on Jaden Daniels, just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 4D chess. We appreciate everybody tapping in for this one. Uh, Started weird, finished great, thought-provoking, and let us know how bad we are at data. We'll see you back here same time, same place next week for the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. Rather stay. Peace. Peace.